Welcome to Beyond the Board, a podcast that explores the themes and real-life inspirations behind tabletop games. I'm Mike. I'm Spencer. And on today's episode of Beyond the Board, we're discussing the themes behind the game Cheaty Mages. And that's not cheaty mages like like ghosts. That's cheaty. C-H-E-A-T-Y. Mages. That's right. They're tricky. They're they're mischievous, these Ooh, mages. Yeah. They're uh, not spooky. <laughs> no. But, so I, I love Cheaty Mages. My brother actually showed me this game. It's a bluffing and gambling game that takes place in a fantasy realm in a gladiator, like a gladiator combat arena. So basically they march out all these monsters. It's got like the orc and the dark elf and the dragon and the goblin. They all have strengths and weaknesses and how much they're worth if they win as the fighter. Just to be clear, the mages who you play as are not the ones fighting. Yes. Yes. That's a very important point. We are the audience. We're Mm -hmm. the spectators. We've, in fact, gambled and bet on some of these monsters, hoping that our monster is going to win and get a big payoff. But we realize that our monster might not win. We might bet on the underdog, and we want to make sure that they win. And, well, we're mages, and so what can we do? Magic. Yes, and so we rig the fight by uh, boosting up different uh, monsters and everything in the arena, uh, and it helps with winning. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> you're casting spells that make some monsters stronger or weaker, and it would all be super clear who bet on who if all of this was just being played face up. But the cool thing is, a lot of these cards are being played face down. So suddenly Mike put a spell in front of the orc. Well, does he want the orc to be stronger or does he want the orc to be weaker? I have no idea. Did he bet on the orc or is he just trying to trick me? It's also confusing. Ah, my mind! It's it's half information. It's bluffing, deduction, which reminds me of another game, Love Letter. And it's the same designer. So if you like Love Letter, if you like that concept of trying to figure out intentions of other people using half information, Cheaty Mages is the game for you. And since Cheaty Mages is set in a gladiatorial arena, much like a coliseum, we are actually going to talk about gladiatorial combat and all of its glory. It's bloody, bloody, gory. Bloody, gory, glory. Gory, (laughs) glory. Uh, So yeah, so... Before we talk about gladiatorial combat, which we're going to dive into today, we're actually going to first talk about where it was held. So the amphitheater. So we're going to take a trip to the amphitheater. And this was a place uh, that organized various games and fights that the ancient Romans would watch every day. Uh, the most famous amphitheater, of course, is the Colosseum, which is still standing today, or at least parts of it are. Mm-hmm. And you can go and see it. And this thing gigantic. It's about the size of a, a shopping mall. I couldn't believe that. I saw your note about that, and it just blew my mind yeah. how big this place it's, is. is I, I, I haven't been to Rome, so I haven't seen it personally, but it was built over a 10-year period starting in 70 AD. That's 10 years to build a shopping mall in ancient Rome, mm-hmm. which is unheard of when you think about building something that long ago. Right, because amphitheaters did exist around the world, but nothing to this scale. And there was a reason that they decided to build this is because ancient Rome already had things like fights and games and executions, and all of this was just taking place in open spaces, public squares and things like that. But you want to make a show of it. You want people to see it. You've got to build a home for all of this. And that's why 
the Colosseum was built. And they even, like, advertised for this throughout Rome. They're like, come see your favorite gladiators or come see your least favorite criminal hung. (laughs) Oh, I hate that guy so much. (laughs) So we'll start with... uh, the shows that they had, quote unquote, on every day, there'd be a number of shows in the amphitheater. And they would start the day with wild animal hunts. So exotic animals from all across the empire, they would face one another in the arena. And you knew which animals were being showcased, but you didn't know who was fighting against who or what was fighting against what. I mean, it's so cool because the Roman Empire was huge. And so they had access to a lot of bizarre animals that probably didn't really fit in Europe, in Italy. And so you've got lions fighting leopards versus, like, bulls versus all kinds of random animals just duking it out in for entertainment. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a, a, a gladiatorial zoo, if you will. Yeah, more or less. So these fights, they oftentimes would take place, like, 1v1. Like, who would win between a leopard and a lion? We have those talks all the time of who who would win versus X versus Y. We wouldn't want to see it. Well, the Romans did. What else are you going to do all day other than watch fights? And so that's what they did. That's what you did for breakfast, pretty much. You came, the, you had your morning breakfast, and then you started watching your shows at the amphitheater, and most of those were animal fights. And after the animal fights came lunchtime. Generally around lunchtime, they would actually take a lunch break for executions. And so any of the... Criminals in the area who were ready to be executed that day, that would be your lunch break. And this was ranging from execution by sword to crucifixion to death by those wild animals that you saw in the beginning of the day. Yeah, depending on the severity of the crimes or how much of an enemy of the empire they were, they would either just be straight up killed, given no no recourse, or some of them would be given... The scarcest chance of potentially killing a lion, but, you know, your odds aren't very good. Even if they gave you a club to use, you're probably still going to get mauled to death. But it now looks somewhat fair. It's now They didn't <laughs> you just have a kill you. to fight for your freedom. But like Mike said, this is all taking place in the morning and then lunchtime. So we've, we've only just warmed up the Colosseum at this point. We've got our animal fights out of the way. We've killed our we've executed our criminals everybody that's uh, has gone against the empire they're all dead and so it's time for the main show it's time for the gladiators makes me think of uh have you ever been to medieval times no i haven't (sighs) yeah it's just like medieval times you have all the jousting games right in the beginning and and then at the end when you're like uh, full of chicken and mead Mm. then you get to watch them fight the main show the the big event exactly so gladiators they bring them in What's a gladiator? That's a good question. It's not as simple as you might imagine. So uh, gladiators were armed combatants trained, but they were also sometimes paid and then sometimes also forced to fight one another in this big coliseum. Uh, And so they were either volunteers, which didn't happen all the time, but but most of the time they were poorer or common folk volunteering for either money or fame and glory. Uh, or they were surrendered enemy soldiers who would be forced to fight, or they would just be slaves. Right. I mean, if you've got soldiers, enemy soldiers in particular. I got soldiers. But I'm not a soldier. Exactly. These these enemy soldiers, why waste them? Why just execute them? They're trained. They know how to fight. They could be entertainment for your people. So 
put them in the ring, force them to fight one another. They'll Are just you not entertained? Exactly. They'll just kill each other off anyway. They'll do the job for you, but at least you'll get a show out of it. Like that's that was part of the mentality behind it. And these these gladiators who would come in would then be sort of divided into various groups based off of some primary characteristics, like your social class. If you volunteered in the first place, where are you coming from? Are you poor and somehow trying to make money? Well, you're probably going to be really bad at fighting and you won't last long in the, the pits, but you have a chance. And then there are like ex-military soldiers who had served their time and now needed something to do. Which sounds kind of familiar, like our highwaymen and pirates that we were talking about in previous episodes. Except you know it's all sanctioned by the government. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I guess that makes it a little bit different. And then they get divided into like the fighting style. So these these gladiators would be armed with different things. Some of them would be very heavily armored and with big, heavy weapons, and they'd be slow and cumbersome, but they'd be big, terrifying fighters out in the the pit. And then you've had the guy who has just a little bit of armor on his shoulder. He's got a net and like a trident and he's trying to catch people and stab them with that. He's very nimble. And so you've got these different types and they were actually created to mimic the enemies of the Roman Empire. So they were meant to sort of represent the various forces that the empire had had already conquered or was in in the kind of process of trying to destroy or defend itself from. Mm -hmm. They also portrayed not only enemies of the empire, but sometimes fictional characters. And so it really became a show. And a lot of the gladiatorial combat wasn't about blood and gore. It was really about how we could see trained soldiers fight for the most part. I mean, obviously you had the untrained ones. But that that was the, the real combat. We wanted to see how combat. They already got their gore fix from the animals and the execution. So they're done with that. They want to see something a little bit more refined. And that's why it was near the end of the day. It's like giving some, well, no, I guess it's not like giving somebody good wine and then bad wine. It's just, it's like throwing bad wine in somebody's face and then offering them a glass right, of wine. Right, exactly. I'm sorry about that. That was rude of me. <laughs> so so with all of this, you can, you can imagine that the Roman Empire also was thinking about money. And when thinking about money, you think about gambling. And when thinking about cheaty mages, you think about gambling. And when thinking about any sporting event, you think about gambling. And so this was a thing that happened. The Romans loved gambling, and they actually stole this practice from the Greeks. They didn't really do it before. And they would often pay, pray to the goddess Fortuna mm. for luck, which is makes sense. Basic, basically sounds like fortune. And they loved gambling so much that it actually started riots and other crimes, and it started becoming a problem. And eventually, it was outlawed during the reign of Emperor's, Emperor Augustus. And so he came to a compromise that common folks were only allowed to bet during Saturnalia. Saturn- Saturnalia. Saturnalia, which is a week-long festival dedicated to the god of Saturn. I think I think I was thinking spirulina, mm. like that little green stuff. Do you know when Saturnalia is? Actually, I don't. It's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, you gotta raise it's, money for all those Christmas presents. It's a big conspiracy about Christmas, the day that it was. Given that Christianity is what ultimately overcame the Roman Empire, they had to do something to appease the pagans that were celebrating already during that time. So 
Just make it a different day instead, a different holiday. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's when Jesus was born. (laughs) But it's interesting that you note then that because of that, it's a holy activity and it couldn't be taxed and it had like some weird exemptions and it started getting a little tricky then on what was okay and what wasn't okay in terms of gambling. (laughs) You have to come up with exceptions. That's interesting. And so uh, you have a note here that the women also were allowed to watch the games but they weren't allowed to place bets even during that grace period. Crazy. Right. Uh, and in fact, I actually saw somewhere that women were allowed to be fighters as well sometimes, but like so, so, so rarely. And it, it very much was kind of against the idea of the culture of allowing a woman. It's not the role of a woman in, in ancient Roman eyes. And on top of that, if it was allowed, it was almost as like a curiosity of like, Hmm, let's just see what you can do sort of thing. She seems like she can hold a sword. Let's put her out there. Yeah, it's oh. very, it's kind of interesting how there were exceptions made to it. Again, under that guise of, this is entertainment. We yeah. just want to be entertained now. Let's just see something we haven't seen before. Yeah. And so sometimes women would be allowed to fight. It's so interesting back in the day, back in the Roman times, how they would be like, no, no, women can't do this. Women can't do this. And then we're like, well, Maybe, uh, such as the, and this is just a side note, but they had like their own festival, which they were allowed to gamble on games and everything called the Bonadia Festival. And we won't go too much into that. It basically just was a separate festival for women in the Roman days. It happened three times a year. And uh, there was something I found that even if men were to spy in on this women-only festival, they would be blinded. Mm. They would just stab their eyes. Wow, they take it seriously. (laughs) It's a very Bechtel festival. Anyway, so we got our fighters, and we got some money on the table, and we got our arena. And let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll start this fight. Just you and me, buddy. Just you and me. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Your whole life? God. I'm Beth Reinstein. And I'm Nora Chin. Do you like Harry Potter? Do you like other works of fiction? Then do we have the podcast for you. It's called Get Sorted. Where we take characters from famous works of fiction and sort them into their Harry Potter houses. Han Solo. Slytherin. Leslie Nope. Gryffindor. SpongeBob SquarePants. Hufflepuff. Nancy Wheeler from Stranger Things. Ravenclaw. And you can find out more by tuning in to Get Sorted. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitchers, or wherever you get podcasts. Brought to you by Birdie Bots Every Hoyer Bean, a subsidiary of Weasley Incorporated. Ooh, and we're back. How's that eye treating you? That's all right. I put a sack of peas on it. Well, let's talk about fighting, Mike. Let's let's talk about gladiators actually fighting one another. And we should make something clear right away. These fights that we're talking about, they were spectator sports. Mm-hmm. The you you had mentioned earlier, they got their blood fix earlier. The 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 murder from the executions and the animal fights, that that got the bloodlust kind of handled. Now they wanted to see good real fighting. And 
like you said, they advertised for this. There were billboards up with the the gladiators being fought. And you're on that Roman highway and you just see that billboard on your way to work. Well, all roads lead to Rome, and so if all roads lead to Rome, then everyone's going to have a billboard of the fights for the Colosseum and the food that's going to be served and the drink that's going to be there. It was like getting ready for a ball game. So these gladiators, they're, they're ready to fight, and so they're given a last meal. They're given an opportunity, depending on their social status, to get their affairs in order. If they have a family, you know, say, potentially say your last goodbye to your family. Make sure that if you were to die in combat, what will happen with your land? What will happen with anything that you own? All of that is allowed for people with any kind of social clout. Of course, the slaves didn't get any of this. Mm-hmm. Free men, if you will. Right. Yes. Uh, and after they say their goodbyes and they get their last meals, then the grand parade begins. You got the gladiators, the officiants, the unlucky execution targets, uh, and they were all paraded in great big fanfare because it is a show. So the fights themselves would only take about 10 to 15 minutes, uh, and that's if the fighters weren't heavily armed. But the guys with, like, big armor, they would they would take a little longer because they would get tired out and you still had to kill each other, which was a little tough. But these fights were really entertaining. They were basically actors out there. They would hype up the crowd and they would get everybody really into it. They would ham. They'd be big old hams. (laughs) You saw the wild boar fight. Now here's the ham. Uh, And it's especially the case with the professional and experienced gladiators. These are the ones who consistently go back, who are making all that money, who worked the crowd not only to win the fight, but win the hearts of everyone in the crowd. And we'll talk about why that's important. Mm -hmm. It's actually not just because you want them to be entertained. There's a reason for this. Because eventually, these fights need to end. And you've probably got in your head this image of a a corpse bleeding on the ground or a Roman emperor with a thumb up or down deciding the fate of the gladiators. And yes, absolutely, that could be the case. But it wasn't necessary. These fights lasted until there was a clear winner. Death is a clear win, sure, (laughs) but it could also be ruled that one person had won by the referee who was watching, or uh, you could even surrender if you wanted to. You could could demonstrate, like, "I I am beat, I don't want to fight anymore, and then it was up to the crowd to react to that gladiator. Did they put up a good fight? If they put on a good show, if they if they demonstrated skill, then the crowd would be on that gladiator side, and they would then most likely be spared. But if they were a terrible fighter, and they like gave the middle finger to the crowd, then they're probably doomed at the end of that fight. And more often than not, they would be spared. Mm-hmm. So it's it's funny that you say that before. Like You, you always imagine the gladiator vanquishing his enemy or in Russell Crowe's case he would be the merciful gladiator mm. and, and he wouldn't do it but they really were they were they were spared more times than not because they are expensive mm-hmm. like, like you want your favorite gladiator to go or maybe that gladiator just didn't have a good day and you still want to see him next week um, but uh, as long as they put on a go- good show the crowd was usually pleased and they usually showed mercy right and there was also honor uh, seen in the death of many gladiators, so that also could be a thing. You could die with honor if that was really important to you. And most of them were willing to accept their their execution, if you will. Mm-hmm. And they, they the gladiator community looked out for one another. You could actually join 
gladiator groups or schools and <laughs> gladiator help groups. More or less, <laughs> like they're they're all going in this horrible experience together. They're training day in and day out for this thing, and you know that if your comrade dies, suddenly if they have a family, that family is lo- left without any kind of income based off of whatever little income the the gladiators were making, and so they would actually come together and cover the funeral services or do their best to try and respect and take care of the family if they could. All of this only applies to the trained and respected gladiators. None of this applies to enemy soldiers or slaves. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the the gladiator combat, they it usually it mainly declined between the 5th and 4th centuries AD. Rome needed soldiers as pressures from the outside forces increased. And alongside that, Christianity came around and was like, murder is bad, so we stopped murdering people. Though there were still gladiatorial combats even outside of that that were held secretly, if you will, because people still wanted to see it. Uh, So it eventually went away, but not overnight. So before we go away, I thought it would be interesting to talk about... Wait, where are we going? (laughs) We have to go, Mike. The Christians are coming. I'd like to talk about gladiator combat in other cultures or other parts of the world because we always associate this with Rome so did this even happen anywhere else and yes you've got martial arts which is a similar sort of idea martial arts aren't expected to end in death it's very it's very rare you you get the image of somebody doing that five finger palm technique in from kill bill for the entertainment of for a the giant crowd yeah. right but yeah, sure, there were there were martial arts and that that was a pretty universal thing across the whole globe. Blood sports, which you could say that gladiator combat is a blood sport, did exist in Mayan and Aztec cultures. The Mayans had a a, a ball game that they played. Just like in Road to El Dorado. Do yes. you remember that? And you have a note here, and it's so true, the ball was tough. They used like stone balls they would use solid like it was kind of like a rubber ball but it was like it felt like stone right yeah and they're just it's it's the rules of the game are very unclear right now it's from what they can gather it's you just keep the ball in the air as much as possible using your elbows your hips and your toes and you have a defending team and and, uh, an offense team and you would just get smacked to all hell. <laughs> Which doesn't sound like the sort of thing you would want to volunteer to do. And that's because at the end of a lot of these games, the participants would be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Uh, which probably means that a lot of the players were most likely prisoners or being forced to play the game rather than actually athletes, than being pro ball game. They didn't show that in the Road to El Dorado. No, they kind of glazed over that particular aspect. <laughs> uh, probably more terrifying, but also more in line with combat is the Aztec culture of blood sports, which had the flower wars, which were actually really interesting. These were kind of like planned and organized combat and battles that were meant to be training exercises for new soldiers and to keep everybody in check. So they were attempted to be mostly non-lethal combat, so they wouldn't use like ranged weaponry, they wouldn't use bows because it's hard to make that non-lethal. Um, they would fight each other, and these flower wars were equal parts religious practice as well as combat training. And so that's why it was 
some of this non-lethal tactics were used because if it's combat training, you don't want to kill all of your new soldiers. <laughs> but if you do want to kill somebody in a blood sport in Aztec culture, then you do quote-unquote gladiator combat. They took a prisoner and they would tie them, usually by like the waist, to a stone, and then they would give them fake weapons. And I, I read an, a range of possibilities of what these fake weapons would be. One in particular looked like an axe, a hand axe by all means, but the obsidian stone that would be used for the blade implement was removed and flowers or feathers were put <laughs> in place. So they were dressed up as if they were a soldier ready to fight. So it's a fair fight now because you're going to pit them against a squad of elite Aztec soldiers who are armed with real weapons. And so tied up against this stone with your fake weapon, you would do your best to defend yourself, but there's no chance. I think the tied up to a stone part is is probably the most unfair part. Yeah, it seems almost unnecessary given the fake weapon part. But this, again, is not necessarily done for entertainment. These blood sports were not necessarily the thing that you would go to every day, like the Colosseum, which had this great retinue of awesome games and shows to watch. These were largely religious practices, and so they don't serve necessarily the same major purpose that our gladiators of Rome did, but that's about as close as you're going to (laughs) get. Well, do you got anything else? That's all I got. Well, that is gladiatorial combat. Uh, mainly in Rome, but we find it's all over the world. So if you liked what we said today and and you want to hear more about some random games and themes behind games, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Uh, Or if you want to find out what we're doing on the interwebs, you can follow us on Instagram at goingbtb. Uh, You can also follow us on uh, Instagram at whizbotgames because we also make games. Uh, And you can email any questions that you guys have or any suggestions that you guys have at beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on our home on the web at whizbotgames.com. And I hope we don't get sued for this one. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is that why you are here? This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Thanks for listening.